Hi, thank you everyone for coming. My name is Marianne Trieste, Assistant Director for MPA Career Services at John Jay. Really appreciate that you're here to spend your time with us. We have a, a really wonderful group of panelists, so we're very, very excited. Um, you know, and I just, I, I left a, a sheet of bios on everyone's chair, so I think you've been reading them over. And I'd love for our panelists to uh, briefly introduce themselves and just chat a little bit about uh, what they do and uh, you know, we'll go further, deeper into questions. So first, we're going to ask the panelists some questions. But we have a nice small group, so if anything strikes you as they're talking, feel free to raise your hand, and we can have a nice kind of open conversation. Thank you. OK, so our first panelist I'd like to introduce is Kendra Bryan. Hello, everyone. Good evening. Can everyone hear me? Hi, how are you? Um, first of all, let me say it's a privilege and an honor to be here, to be invited to speak to everyone, to share a little bit of my experiences as a current John Jay grad student, as a full-time employed um, systems analyst for, I work for New York City Transit as a system analyst, so I was the face behind Trip Planner, so I did a lot of that and my role has changed a little bit in the last four years since I've been employed in the public sector. I was a person who segued from the private sector to the public sector, and I'm still pretty much adjusting. And I'm also the mom of a six-year-old son, and on December 1st, I'm sitting for the LSAT. So I understand the demands on someone's time, and as a um, full-time employed person, as a hands-on parent, so I can really relate to people who, have, who fill multiple roles. So please feel free to ask me any question that you deem um, relevant to your experiences, because I can guarantee you I've done a little of everything, and I can share that. Thank you, Kendra. And I just wanted to note that we are recording this session uh, for students who aren't able to make it tonight, because I know there are classes and other things that conflict. So I just want everyone to be aware that we are recording it, and so we'll have it available uh, for playback later. And some of our online students are actually tuning in and are hearing this live as well. Okay, thank you. And Nicole, Nicole Marks um, is a, a John Jay alumni as well, and um, you know she's here to talk about her experience. Thank you. Yes, thank you guys for coming. Um, thank you, Marianne, for having me. Um, so right now I work for the American Red Cross. Uh, we'll get into some of that a little bit later, and I just want to thank you guys for coming. Thank you, Nicole. Patricia? Thank you very much. Uh, good evening, uh, everybody. I'm very happy also to be here and, and share my experience. And um, I've been working for the United Nations since 2001. And I've been in the field as well. So um, also just like the other two panelists, please uh, feel free to ask any questions. You know, I'm more than happy to share anything or answer what, what you need. Thank you, Patricia. OK, so we're going to start very broadly. Uh, the first question I'd like to ask is, please tell us about your career and how you've come to this point. Okay. Um, I started out as a legal assistant. I was in the very plush environment of the law firms. I did that for um, at least almost 10 years. And as I moved from one position to another, I never really felt fulfilled. I never really had that security. I was always operating from a position of today might be my last day, and I wanted more fulfillment. I wanted a job that I really felt that I could advance through the ranks. I don't know how many people work for the law firms, but either you're staff or you're an attorney, and it really doesn't transition to either. So what I wanted to do is I made a conscious effort to utilize my skills, my technical background, and I applied for the position, and 
I was very fortunate to get called very early on, and it's still, like I said, it's an adjustment because I went from the private, sec private sector mentality to the public sector where there is no such thing as the free lunch, no such thing. It's, it's different. It's a different environment. So I, what I would tell people is it's a conscious decision. You have to have a plan and to maintain that plan and to work that plan to really move through the ranks. Thank you. Nicole, did you want to talk about your career path a little bit? Um, I actually completely agree with you. I think that's very important to have a plan and also to definitely pursue something that you enjoy because it will show through your work. Um, I actually started out at an internship program through one of my professors here at John Jay. At, actually, he's now a professor. When I was in the internship program, he wasn't um, at the office of the chief medical examiner. I don't know if anybody has Donnell Harvin, but I worked with him in the special operations division as an emergency management intern. Um, I think part of that experience taught me a lot of things because it's to go to trainings, get the education, get everything you need, and if you're interested in it, it'll kind of guide you to which way you want to go. And that was something for me that definitely drove my career. So from there, I started working with the American Red Cross actually as a volunteer initially while I was completing my master's degree here at John Jay. Um, then I applied for a position with the AmeriCorps program, and I started out as an emergency communications coordinator there. We respond to six to 10 fires on a daily basis, and we cover from Connecticut all the way up to the borderline of New York and Canada, and down to the lower Hudson Valley area. So we respond to tons of emergencies, disasters, things from fires to vacates. Um, and then my current position, I'm an NPRC responder, which means it's a National Preparedness and Response Corps. So if anything happens um, within the United States, we deploy automatically, and we're one of the first frontline responders. Part of my experience with AmeriCorps and the Red Cross is the trainings. I'm definitely interested in them, and they've brought me to travel all over different states. I've been to New Mexico for bomb training. I've been actually with the medical examiner. We did Scott Pack training, which is the gear you have to wear, like personal, um, personal protection equipment, so it's very, very hands-on. Um, but at the same time, I also do paperwork, and I write plans, and I do emergency management activities, and I do exercises. So I kind of like to double dip, and I like having my hands in both areas. So I wear many different hats there, and actually I also participate as a senior security specialist with John Jay on counterterrorism risk vulnerability assessments, and that brings in more of my emergency management background and the writing, so. <laughs> I'm a little bit, you know, half as much as the coincidence of it, but I really didn't really plan anything. It was very, uh, uh, by chance, the, 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 my whole career, actually. I was working for the Hungarian police force, and then uh, we were actually getting ready to go to Bosnia <clears throat> when uh, one of my, uh, uh, boss came to me and said, you know what, uh, we just got a request to go to Western Sahara. What do you think instead of going to Bosnia, going to Western Sahara? I said, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I don't really like the winter time. I don't like cold. You know, Western Sahara is in, in Africa. I like the warm weather. Why not? Sure. So anyway, we ended up in Western Sahara, which was uh, actually, I didn't regret it. It was a, a great experience and a, and a mission itself. And I was very grateful. I had a very good uh, friend of mine from Somalia. He was a great colleague. And he helped me, in a sense, to advise me how to apply to job at the UN or 
what they're looking for and I was actually at the right time at the right place they were looking for females who has experience on the police field security field so basically uh, I was hired right there so I had to resign from my government and then I went straight from Western Sahara to East Timor <laughs> and started my UN career there and in 1999 things uh, within the United Nations, there is so many real things, I mean, I can uh, detail that, so i rather take questions because, you know, it's, it's just so wide, the whole topic that, you know, I just kind of detail it. Well, it's fascinating. The reason I asked that question is because people's careers often take different paths, yeah. and a lot of things happen um, depending on circumstance and who you meet along the way, so you know, that's why it's wonderful you're here and you're open to these kinds of uh, experiences because you never know when you can connect with someone who may lead you uh, a certain way in your career path. Excellent. Um, yeah. Can I just jump in sure. with that? Um, I really agree with what you're saying because I've been in class, I started maybe a few years back while I was still in the graduate program. I was actually sitting in class and got an offer to I guess go for a CIA training. There was a gentleman who actually worked there who was going to literally take my resume and hand it off. The only, I had to turn it down because at the time I had a three-month-old and I didn't want to have to go, I guess, to Atlanta to train for four months. But it was the opportunity that maybe someone else wouldn't have gotten because they were sitting in class. This gentleman and I are still very friendly. We still talk a lot. And I probably, if I was just a face on a piece of paper, wouldn't have gotten that opportunity but to have that direct connection to a lot of the agencies in class. I'm noticing that a lot more now. You're not just a face on the paper, it's good to network and to utilize opportunities like this to really meet people. Thank you, Kendra. So that leads into, uh, you know, along the way, I believe many of you have gained different certifications and trainings, and a lot of our students and alumni here are considering different options in terms of additional classes or certifications. So. Are there any certifications or professional training that you would recommend or you feel has really helped you along your path? And it doesn't have to be in order. You can okay. just jump in whenever I'll jump in real quick. Um, I'm actually right now going for my MEP certification. It's a Master <coughs> Exercise Practitioner Program. Um, it's down at FEMA, FEMA's EMI, which is Emergency Management Institute. Um, they actually offer tons of classes online. They're independent study classes. And if you take um, specific versions of them, they have professional development series and um, professional continuity practitioner, which is one of the other certifications that I have now. Um, they're a lot of great trainings. They're, sometimes they're online, sometimes they're in class. If you can get out to them, a lot of them are in New York. Um, that's one of the benefits of living in this city is that a lot of things happen here and a lot of the plans are made here. Um, actually, a lot of the other states use models that are developed here, so it's great to attend these trainings. Um, FEMA's EMI Institute, I think, is one of 
the best ways to get it because like I said, you can do in class or uh, online. They also have state and federal other class trainings that you can take depending on whether you're interested in like hazmat, medical, you know, the field is so broad, you can go into almost anything, exercise design, writing things. They have so many different fields you can go into. And when you go on these websites, you can get a lot of information as to which path you can kind of take. You can do what you're already doing in your, whether it's your a program here at John Jay or in your professional life. Um, another training or certification is the Certified Emergency Manager Training um, Certification. It's through ACES or as is, depending on who you talk to. It's a security professional organization, and actually they also have the young professionals, and that's a great thing to get into. Here at John Jay, we also have a chapter that's women in security, if any women are interested in that. Um, it's great to be a part of those organizations. They give out trainings, they give out um, information, they hold fairs, so it's very good to actually get yourself out there and exposed to this kind of stuff. I also think that um, project management training is a wonderful uh, skill to have and it translates well through any industry and a lot of people are breaking into the field. It's a little harder, it's been my experience that it's been a little harder to break into the field because you need that experience before you can sit for the exams. But what I'm trying to do currently is find a way to segue through my current position into a project management type field to get the experience and the hours that I need to sit for the exam, but it translates well. It translates from emergency management, public uh, to education, construction, it goes through all industries, though. I think that would be a worthwhile effort to look into. Thank you, a lot of wonderful ideas. And I'd just like to briefly introduce um, Ms. Regina Wadkins. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Uh, Regina, once you get settled, uh, if you wanted to do just a brief uh, you know, introduction. They all have your bio uh, so they can kind of see your career path. Uh, but we, what we've talked about so far is a little bit about how we've gotten to where we are now and also uh, regarding any certifications or professional training that you feel have helped you along your way. Okay. Thank you. Well, I'm used to talking on the fly. So, <laughs> number one, panelists, I, I apologize. Marianne, I apologize, audience, I apologize. But when you get old, you have to carry a lot of stuff. It's a lot to do, beautiful building. And thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you for coming. Um, I also have additional materials to share with you, as well as business cards and all that good stuff. So we, I have accoutrement for you as well. Um, certifications, uh, you, you had an opportunity to review my bio, right? Uh, BA in psychology, MSW from uh, New York University, and I am uh, a trained clinician, but I've done mostly administration in the last few years. I have been in project design, project management, coaching. Um, I truly believe in, in uh, promotion from within. A lot of organizations keep bringing in new people who may not know the organization very well. Uh, Women in Need has been around almost 30 years. On Valentine's Day, we're around 30 years. That's, that's kind of special. Mm -hmm, and think. only two CEOs. So I think on the website, they should put bobbleheads and show them. <laughs> They're not going to do that. Um, but certifications, I truly believe use your degree until the wheels fall off. What do I mean? Don't stop with just a master's. Be hungry, be interested, and be in touch with the population served. 
Uh, project management does not just mean the nuts and bolts that you will learn in an institution, but also getting to know on the ground who the people are. Volunteerism is huge. I've, the last 5% of staff I've been able to hire uh, have come from our volunteer sector mm -hmm. who have come with uh, a nonprofit background like myself or for-profit. It's shrinking. Hi, friend. <laughs> I'm pointing at you. We're in the elevator together. Hi. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> um, but also getting to know who your audience is from the top down, be it uh, your stakeholders, okay, your board, and the people running these programs. So uh, beyond the masters, look for certifications that may be unique to you. And that's what I look for in an individual. You're not a flat piece of paper, okay? You are a living, breathing entity. So your cover letter, when it says that you've been certified to uh, do child abuse and neglect training, that separates you from a whole group of people. Mm -hmm. You won't believe sometimes how, how important that is. Or you volunteer to, to be um, on a grants committee. Who would think to do that? Most people don't. They just look, I, this is what I want to do, and this is my track. But do look for other areas to enhance your skill set. Thank you so much, thank you. Uh, the next question I wanna delve into is, uh, what top skills would you recommend that students develop as they get ready for their careers? So maybe specific skill sets within what your areas are, as well as things like transferable skills. As I jump in, again, I definitely <laughs> say project management is very important, and the technical skills. I've learned a lot of different software programs and it's translated well for me because I don't know, I came from the private sector once again where it's a little more turbulent, but I was able to, no matter what happens with the economy, I'm adaptable, I'm flexible. These are things that you need to remain flexible in the market because I'm a big believer in creating your brand to make sure that you're marketing yourself the best way possible. And if you have that adaptability and that flexibility, that does help. So I was able to transition through various, um, just various economic times, the various different things that happen from day to day. So it was easier for me to move back and forth. I've, I'm going for the project management. I'm studying for my JD. I'm completing my master's degree in um, public administration in May. And it, it took a while. It wasn't, I was not a person here who went through two years of school full time. I started in 2007, and then I had a baby in the middle of my midterm. So then I had to take time off and stop and just move into other stuff. But I'm back, and I tell people the persistence is necessary to make it through the program, and you can do it. I actually agree with both of them. Actually, I came from dead-end jobs here and there, just trying to, I was the opposite though. I actually went straight through school, went for my undergraduate, got my master's degree, ended up in a classroom with a bunch of people who were in real-time jobs, real-world experience, and I'm hitting this wall where I have my degree, but I don't have the real-world experience. So that's why I kicked it up a notch, and at the Red Cross, I started taking all the trainings I needed, picked up those certifications, and that's why I completely agree with what, um, I'm sorry, Regina was saying, sorry about that. Um, only because you, you really aren't a flat piece of paper, she, yeah, I don't think anybody could have put it better. And that's the way you get across, even if it's attending one of these trainings. I'm a responder, but by going to the bomb trainings, I met 80 people who are in the field doing real-time jobs, whether it's 
working with the fire department, working with the Red Cross, working with you know, police departments, emergency management agencies, all these different entities, and they give you your business card, they, their business cards, you're interacting with them on a, on a training basis, sometimes it's a week at a time. So you get to really develop what kind of personality they have and you get to learn from them, and then you have a contact for you know, however long you remain in contact with them, and that's the best thing is networking, it really, it's, it sells. So one of my, um, I guess two skills that I definitely recommend building and working on is your communication and writing skills. Because communication and writing, they go together, but it's as simple as writing an email. If you're writing your email like a text message, yes, sometimes that works. Some bosses are okay with it. But it, the thing is you wanna go for, you wanna act the role that you actually want. So one of my old bosses used to always say, if you wanted to be the president of the organization, dress like the president of the organization. You know, so I, I carry that over not so much in my dress wear, but more so in my attitude. If I want that better role, then I'm gonna act that better role so that way, you know, I'm gonna start developing the skills, talking like the position that I want, not the position I'm in. So, key skills. I have a question for the audience, if you don't mind. How many people here have fully developed LinkedIn accounts? Good. Which is a good, that's a really good percentage. LinkedIn has been, I think it's pivotal into networking, and one of the things that I spent a lot of time this year on was developing my LinkedIn profile. Marianne can tell you because I really wanted to put myself out there to market myself a little better and to kind of fine tune myself so I'm standing out a little more maybe than the other stack of papers or the, I'm trying to get that inside to meet people on a personal level. There are a lot of people, there are a lot of jobs that I've heard about even in this economy through LinkedIn, I've received messages or I've just put my name out there. And so people see that I'm just not the, I may have a resume that's verbatim. It's not exactly what they're looking for, but they know me personally, so they know a little more of my skill set. So I would highly recommend also developing the social media, the Twitter, the Facebook. It's, it really does help. And actually, just to piggyback on that real quick, um, LinkedIn is also a great information source for trainings. <laughs> I know that's one of my huge things is train, 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 but it's, it's a great way to meet people. I mean, I'm actually pretty shy. I, I know some of you guys saw that earlier with the microphone. You know, so usually I'm not used to this type of situation. So when I go out to a training though, I don't have to go up and talk to somebody because they're usually sitting right next to me. And you know, you don't even have to be the first to say anything. Half the time they'll introduce themselves and they'll start talking. And it's a great way that I've been able to network without you know, overcoming my, my shyness. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to say I totally agree with my uh, uh, colleagues here that, that communication and networking is, is very, very important. The UN also has the volunteer program. You can go to the field, work as a volunteer, start networking, and you know, uh, I have a friend of mine who start, we started together in East Timor. She was a volunteer, and now she's working in Geneva as a professional. So it's, it's not impossible, but regarding the UN, uh, as we all of you know, it's very competitive to get a job, but what can really help you when you speak different languages you know, as you know, the UN has six official languages, so if you speak uh, besides, you know, English and other, at least one or two languages, then you have a great uh, uh, opportunity to, to obtain a job, not just here in New York, but the field or any other duty station overseas. So I would recommend that, you know, to, to learn languages or, you know, it's very, very useful because the competition is, is very, very strong and nowadays one or two languages is, is not enough anymore.
I just got one. What am I going to do? <laughs> I totally agree with my panelists. One of the other things, how many of you have reviewed your LinkedIn account last month? Thank you. It's not just put it out there and wait, um, but put it out there, keep reviewing. Look at other profiles. See how they're packaging themselves. Uh, don't date yourself. I had to learn that. Don't date yourself. It used to be when you put out a resume, you put when you graduated and all that. And now everyone's taking it off, right? Also be very careful of social media. Uh, be very, very diligent about it. It, it is your um, fingerprint. And it, it means a whole lot. Also, I can't tell you enough about that communication key. How you communicate on paper is your foot in the door to me. If you just send me a a resume, I felt like you just walked in my office and sat down. I really feel that way. Introduce me. What makes you different? Uh, I've, I've learned Spanish uh, as an adult. That's a huge issue. Many people just kind of feel, oh my goodness, no I didn't. I just said, it'd be nice if, it, if that actually happened. Or if you spent time in another country and learned the culture. Sometimes that is another piece of it, that you know more about that culture than you thought you would ever know. And, but you don't have necessarily the language, but you understand. Also, we can tell if you're just lifting words off the paper and sticking it in the resume, right? Know your resume inside out. Like you know your social security number. You have to know it. You can't say, well, it's, it's on there, because that's a, that's a turn off. Also, whether you journal in longhand or you keep it on your computer, keep up with yourself. Look at where you are on a weekly basis. Daily is a lot, right? I'm writing every day. This is what I've done lately. But looking at it from week to week, I started that about two years ago, and started to look at myself professionally on a week to week basis. What new things am I doing? What are my new challenges? The economy is, is struggling, but there are still jobs out there. You may end up with a part-time position or be a consultant and it turns into a full-time job. Those things actually do happen, but you have to be ready for it and be ready to, to compete. It's highly competitive. It's not just that easy just to have a degree in your back pocket anymore. So I think you know the importance of, of creating a very professional online profile is really emphasized at the same time making sure that you're not posting anything inappropriate or anything that you wouldn't want a hiring manager to see. Um, and we do workshops at the Center for Career and Professional Development about that. And of course, uh, we're happy to review any of your online profiles to make sure that it's appropriate and also that you're maximizing uh, marketing yourself, putting all your skills there. It's essentially your online resume. It's your online marketing piece. So I'm so glad that that was brought up. Thank you. My next question is, would you recommend any strategies such as internships or networking to students? Well, I'm going to jump in on this one. Um, I actually was quite frustrated being in class with people that were in the field and I wasn't able to get the experience. So I followed up with as many internships as I can. I went to other departments. I spoke to anybody. The internship is what got my foot in the door and it definitely got my experience on, the page, on my resume and ultimately is what landed me a job at the Red Cross. Um, two months prior to getting to the Red Cross, I was actually gonna join the Army just to pay for, pay for school, and I completely understand you know, what kind of position everybody's in. So 
coming from that experience, I definitely promote internships. Um, I actually reached out to Marianne and a couple of other um, professors here at John Jay and opened up an internship program with the Red Cross. Um, I told them to specifically target John Jay because I knew that we had students here that are looking for that opportunity and in the master's program there's not many internships like there is in an undergraduate program. It's very hard, they understand that everybody's working full-time jobs, but I think it's essential to at least, even if it's one day a week, you know, getting your foot in the door and doing that. On the flip side, any internship I offer at the Red Cross, we also offer as a volunteer position because we know that you might not be able to dedicate that much time and effort. There's, I know um, to get school credit, you have to do like 300 hours, sometimes more than that, and it can be a lot. So one of the other options we do promote is volunteerism. Um, also, again, the networking, going to trainings, doing all of that, that's beyond, I think we drilled that in by this point. <laughs> Definitely volunteering makes a, a big difference. On our website, you can go to the website and there's a whole section on volunteering. We have over 400 volunteers working with women in need. They outnumber staff. So just look at who you are. Maybe it's uh, the holiday season is more of the time when you can do something as simple as wrapping gifts and putting children's names on them, or a, a regular uh, monthly birthday party at a family shelter. Uh, most of us celebrate birthdays, but you don't think of uh, the families who are in transitional housing. I have a difficulty saying homeless because it paints another kind of picture. And to me, um, our families are pretty much like a glass. They are half full, not half empty. So I look at it as transitional housing. Sometimes that doesn't get celebrated in a big way. Yes, your birthday, happy birthday. And that's about it. Versus a cake and hats and I'm gonna say that dirty word, soda, and all those <laughs> other things. So you may actually make yourself available to that. That's why I was late. It's not an excuse, oh, it's a birthday reason. party. I interviewed someone who volunteered with us and put herself through school by being a licensed New York State security guard. And she went here and she said, I really wanted to learn more about women in need because she kept watching the website and couldn't wait till she graduated mm -hmm. to be able to say, I've worked in shelters on this area of the tree. Now I want to be a counselor. Now I want to be another person, didn't go here, but uh, they wanted to work with our volunteer department and we were able to create and fund a full-time position as a volunteer coordinator. We have someone who does that. Wonderful. So you have to kind of think beyond those lines and that box. Think about it. Work for free. I know that sounds mm -hmm. terrible, but sometimes it leads to something. Yeah, concerning the UN, uh, the UN <coughs> is offering uh, uh, internships on the spring, the fall, and the summertime between two to six months. Uh, for graduate students, so if you are interested in you can go to the website, create your profile and apply any other, any departments, but you see listed uh, uh, quite a lot in different fields, you know, human rights, economics, security, statistics, whichever you're interested in, and uh, you can apply for internship. That's a great opportunity to start networking, get to know people, or get to know the organization mm -hmm. itself. What's wonderful is across the board, all of our panelists are huge uh, John Jay College fans, uh, you know, very actively encouraging our students to volunteer, intern, or if they can hire, uh, you know, actively pursue John Jay students to hire. So, um, you know, we can't thank them enough for being very supportive in one way or another. Um, 
you know, whether it's giving tours at the UN or bringing people on as volunteers or coming to speak at events like this. So my last question before I open it up to the audience uh, is more about when people start their, their full-time roles um, or even when you first start interning. So generally, the first six months are crucial for students to establish their professional reputations. What actions would you recommend someone to take when they're starting a new role? Definitely active listening. I notice that I've had this experience where there are people who come in who are very eager to learn, very eager to do, and that's wonderful, but if you're doing more talking than listening, you're missing out a lot of the essential, role, essential pieces of the role that you'll need. And we can spot when you really don't know what you're doing, but you're talking. So I tell a lot of people it's really important to listen first and then either perform the role or ask questions. There's nothing wrong with clarification. If I don't know something, I'll ask you to clarify it. That way we're all on the same page and things are going very smoothly. And to not really focus on the, the minutia or the fluff because we can spot that. There's nothing wrong, like I said, with asking for clarification and learning the role and asking as many questions. And stepping out of the box. Talk to as many people as you can. I've noticed in the public sector, it's very, it can be very uh, in the box. It could be very blinders on. And it's great to talk to different people. I told a lot of people that the way that I've met most of the higher management it's a simple hello, a simple good morning, and that makes you stand out also. She's taking all my notes, by the way. <laughs> the first two I had was meet as many people as you can and speak up as far as being vocal and asking questions. I found that that's, you know, part of the reason why I got to where I am. Um, one of the things I like to do when I go into a job is meet the people that you're going to be interacting with on a daily basis, get to know them. I'm absolutely horrible with names. I can read it on a piece of paper 12 times and I'm still not gonna remember it until I've emailed you and called you a bunch of times. So I always apologize for that, but you know, even through that, I try to keep you know, at it and the more I interact with the person, I'll eventually get it down. And then I know that I'm good sailing from there. But the thing is too, you never know who's gonna be able to help you when you need them the most. Like, I. I have technically six different bosses um, just because of the way the Red Cross works and then also with AmeriCorps, the program, we have different bosses on different levels. So I might just talk to you know somebody that I don't view as a boss but more of a superior and I'll have a normal conversation with them and they're like, you know what, I know exactly who can help you with that. And you never know who's going to be able to help you or what they'll be able to contribute to it. So I think getting out there and meeting them, speaking up, asking questions, or at least even telling them your situation, they'll understand. Um, the same thing going to extracurricular activities. A lot of th um, organizations that have volunteers and other programs like that also have volunteer events, appreciation events, work staff meetings, lunches. I always ask, um, sorry, I always uh, requested to sit down in on meetings and observe or take notes as a note taker because too you never know what you're going to overhear you never know what you're going to see you never know the context you're going to make and it in the long run it ended up being more beneficial to me so one thing that I think overall though too is be enthusiastic if that's the area that you really enjoy working in that's going to show through your work and I think we all here agree that you know, on a piece of paper, that's what's going to jump out at us at, in the end is how enthusiastic you're about, you are about your position and your work that you want to do going forward. 
insist on supervision. Oftentimes, there never seems to be enough hours in the day, right? Whoever started that, I'll do more with less. I want to choke that person. I used to say him, but I stopped doing that. that it's impossible, but you should be sitting down with your direct supervisor at least um, once a month for an hour and at least twice a month on the fly sometimes. That's what happens. You can get a lot of that by just a simple email. This is what I'm working on. Am I heading in the right direction? I like to shadow someone that's doing something like something like taking minutes. Everybody hates that, don't they? They would love to have. Can you come to me? Okay. Um, clearly, it makes a difference if you step out of that box. Be a rabid reader. What do I mean? Read other stuff besides what you read for your profession. There's so much more out there that's going on and stay current. If you see something and the organization can't pay for it, uh, pitch again. I'm, I don't take no for an answer. And my boss looks at me sideways. I said, well, I'll pay for 50% of it. Can you cover the other? Well, can I have the time to go do it? I'll, I'll pay for it myself. Because clearly, when you present something and it's $500 for something, and they say, well, we can't pay for it, and you go, oh, well, OK. Were you serious or not? Think about that, because every time I do something, I'm updating that resume. I'm dealing with my profile. It wasn't hard for me to write the profile for today at all. Mm -hmm. I, I had to squish it a couple of times, because I know who I am. Be prepared to tell me, why should I hire you? I've seen seven people with similar resumes. What makes you so different, right? Maintaining eye contact with people. Isn't that so hard? They don't tell you that in school. We tend to be, oh, well, that's the boss, so I'm talking to a boss, my voice goes down, and sometimes my eyes do too. Keep that eye contact. I don't care if it's the boss, your CEO, the president, or the board chair. Look them directly in the face when you're talking. It makes a big difference. It really does. But some of the cultural issues come up too that that may not be part of your makeup. It may be seen as aggressive. No, you're being assertive. I know I appreciate it. Patricia, I know you need to head out soon, so anything before? Well, I just quickly add, add uh, to the comments that uh, due to the uh, culture or the environment of the, of the organization of the UN, it's, it's when you get there, it's, it's really you have to get to know the people. You know, they're coming from different countries, background, and maybe what something means to you, they mean something different to them, and you don't want to hurt anybody. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's requires sort of a lot of sensitivity in working in a multicultural environment. So I think that it's very important at the beginning that you that you kind of observe that you that you see who is who, what is what, and just learn, and then and then go from there. Thank you so much. Thank you. So I'd like to open up the floor for questions. If you have anything um, that we've already spoken about or if something that we haven't addressed, please feel free to raise your hand. Oh, come on. This is a good opportunity. Sorry, one moment. If you can just hold that thought because we have the online streaming, yeah, so I want to make sure everyone can hear. Thank you. Okay, you me. Hi, my name is Elda Gideon, and I work for the U.S. Attorney's Office. And my question is, it's a great place to work, but it's not where I want to work. It's not responding to my needs and my professional needs, basically. So my problem is I have been there for about 
too long, about over 10 years. And I got my master's here and I continued to remain there. So I feel that it's created a situation for me where I can't get out from it. And I would ask, what do you recommend that one do at, in that situation in order to move on? Um, I definitely, I understand. I am in the process of wanting to transition and I had to, you have to make a plan. The same way you made the plan to get into that job at the U.S. Attorney's is the same plan that you'll need to make that transition to something that you really want to do. What is it that you want to do? If some, right now, what is it that you want to do? I'm interested in policy, um, criminal justice, public policy. That's my interest. But the fact that I've been a paralegal program okay. coordinator, it does not translate into that. <laughs> it does not translate, basically. So I feel like I've been pigeonholed in my right. position, and I don't know how to like, get out of that. So any, any advice would be more than welcome. Have you sought career advisement from your alma mater to talk um, to them? Yeah, we're talking. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because that's that's really a key. And get out of your own way. You know, what I'm hearing is is some doubt about what's going to happen. When you said too long, I was hoping that you would say maybe like two years. Ten years is a long time out of your professional <laughs> and personal life to go somewhere where you know what I need to be doing something else. Um, it may be that you're looking in the wrong areas. You may need to look at some of the accreditations that are out there for the sector that you're interested in to see can you get membership. I'm a member of SHRM, um, Society for HR Management. Right. I, did, I didn't know what SHRM was. I'm a clinician, okay? What's SHRM? But it gave me the advantage of looking at my portfolio differently. So you've got to think about those other areas and look at that cup is half full. You have so much to offer that organizations don't have. So you may want to start there, that you would love to come in and talk to someone uh, about career advancement at their organization, though there's nothing on their website that says anything about what you're, you're talking about. I'm always intrigued by folks who contact me, and I, that's not the job that got posted, but it gives me an opportunity to say to, to them, can I float your resume? Basically, you know, won't be here, but maybe I can put you in touch with someone. And that actually, that type of networking works as well. And actually, sorry, real quick on that. Um, two, don't doubt yourself. The thing is, one of the, when we're bringing in volunteers with the Red Cross, many people have not worked in a shelter, but you live in a dorm situation or you lived with other people. So we start to look at things that you do on a daily basis, maybe at work or even some of the things that you would list on your resume instead of listing what you do on a daily basis at your job, change it to accomplishments you made. You know, if you were able to change their budget around or if you were able to create a program with them, you know, those are things that you want to put on your resume because that's what's going to stick out to everybody else. The thing is, like you said, it doesn't, a lot of those your daily tasks don't translate to other jobs. You know, it's very hard because you've been there for so long. That was one of the things I was trying to stay away from because I didn't want to get a full-time job stuck somewhere where I didn't want to be. So one of the things is I had to start looking at my experience and I don't have much experience. So I had to start showing people that this is what I do though, this is what I'm really passionate about and I have experience here and here and here and all of this translates to great communication skills, great planning, all sorts of stuff. You can pull out things that you do whether it's um, working on a computer or how you write and it does translate to other jobs. It's just you gotta look at it in a different light. 
But I do understand why you were there for 10 years, because you need that stability. You need to, mm -hmm. I mean, to be perfectly honest, we're all parents, we're all the economy. We all understand that. I, what I used to do, what I tried to do this time is I wanted extra skills on my resume. So one of the things that I did was volunteering. I am the cub master for my son's Boy Scout troop for his Cub Scout troop. So that's, those skills translate to project management, different things, and I've actually been contacted by other people, Boy Scouts of America, just different people who ask me a lot of different questions. Like, I didn't even know women could be Cub Masters. Well, I didn't either until six months ago. So it's keep pushing forward, um, don't doubt yourself, and definitely remain persistent because mm -hmm. I know it's tough, but that remain was persistent. My major. I think at some point I lost confidence yes. and being there for so long, I lost, I lost my way basically, and which is why I come to these events, and maybe I can find my way back. <laughs> and you have to remain true to yourself because I'm sure there are other people asking you. You have ten years there. You only have this much more to retire, and it's a certain culture. I'm bombard you're bombarded with a certain culture that you should stay here and this is where you need to remain forever. They don't realize that you can be dynamic, you can transition, There's, you can have passion to do other things. Great, thank you so much. Patricia, did you need to add a word? I don't know if anybody has any questions. If anybody has a question for Patricia from the United Nations, she does need to head out to another engagement. But if um, this is your last chance. Uh, Patricia doesn't have business cards, but we're gonna share your email, right, Lisa? Uh, or I, I'm gonna write. Thank you. Forget my business cards. And Thank you, Patricia. So if you have a, a follow-up question for her, you can always email her. Okay. Anyone else about maybe their specific organizations? Mary. Um, sure. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Um, for Patricia. Hi, my name is Julie. I'm criminal justice major. Currently, this is my last semester. I'm graduating my bachelor's degree, but planning to get a master's degree in international affairs. And recently, in summertime, I actually applied for internship within the United Nations, and I <laughs> didn't get it. If there are any chances that I get to any program to get internship within the United Nations, that's my question. Which department? Uh, a drug and I think yeah those are, uh, yeah it's a criminal just um, crime and drug legal, legal affairs or legal or affairs no it was uh, that's in Vienna. no it was in New York they have an open position for intern well Fortunately, it's also just like the job itself is very competitive. Yeah. Uh, what I can advise really just to keep trying. As I said, we have the fall, spring, and the summer session. But if you send me an email, maybe I try to look into it and see if I can talk to the department and you know try to help you to get the internship. Okay. Thank you. No That's another point. Don't sit back. When once you submit something, yeah. call. Be a nudge. You know what a nudge is? <laughs> Just keep poking the person. You may get, get in to see them. Can we have coffee? I'd like to take a few minutes of your time. When are you available? I would love to talk to you. I know that you're very busy, but can we maybe kill two birds with one stone? Maybe I can do something with you that's helpful for you. Great. Offer your service. If you sit back and wait for a response, 
Uh, are, ladies, are we gonna respond? No. <laughs> no. There's gotta be a reason why I need to see you and why I wanna talk to you. And it's hard. It, the it's UN, yeah. my goodness, it's so many layers, but you just made a connection. You just networked just now. So now you're responsible for writing to her. Remember me? I was in the first row and I wanted the internship. Yes. Uh, I don't have a question. I just uh, wanted to um, add something in regard to the UN. I, I graduated from Tante back in 2005 and I was the UN intern. At the UN, it's very hard to get an internship as, a, as an undergrad because all interns yeah. are, they already have masters yeah, or a PhD. However, there are uh, other uh, ways to get into the UN internship and we have a faculty, which I'll tell you after, <laughs> at John Jay, actually, in Human Rights uh, Center, Center for International Human Rights, and Professor Andropoulos, Professor Andropoulos uh, uh, has great connections and you can become an official intern at the UN. A lot of work though. And layers, talking about layers, you have to go through so many interviews until you get the thank you so much. Thank you. This is Professor Gashi, who's um, in our public administration department. So thank you. Okay. Anybody else? Um, I plan on. Oh, my name is Janelle, and I plan on um, doing um, a mass, my master's in public administration. So I would like to know how essential. Could this be to me? Because ultimately, I would like to get my Juris Doctrine, but unfortunately, I didn't get into the school of my dream, so um, I plan on doing my master's and then my Juris Doctrine, but I would like to know how beneficial would my master's be to me ultimately? I don't know. But if, I'm the concentrating on your, So where did you not get into that was your dream and someone burst your balloon. <laughs> I was trying to get into Michigan State. Okay. And I did a program called the Leo program. Uh-huh. But unfortunately I didn't get into the school, so I plan on getting my master's degree, but I don't know if it would be beneficial to me. So Well what do you think? Uh, you, I don't you have know. to be master of your destiny. We can all give you a great answer. Mm -hmm. But you know I, I see a much more rounded person if I see some other steps taken. Your plan A didn't work out the way you thought it was gonna work out. Mm -hmm. So now you're looking at your plan B, it sounds like, right? Correct. But you gotta be in it. You gotta be passionate about it. You told us like, well, I'll do this. Since, since the shoe didn't fit, I got another pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. I'm not hearing about a lot of passion behind what you're trying to do. You gotta really look into this yourself mm -hmm. and go from there. I wanted to be a lawyer, but then I chickened out of the boards. I didn't, I don't know if I can do that. Uh, now, at this point, I'm 22 years old, so <laughs> wasn't that funny. Um, I'm seriously thinking about going to, to law school, but it's family court. I, I'm very interested in what's going on in family court. Um, so you got to look at all of that. So I'm not giving that answer. Maybe someone else would. I'm just curious. You said you had the one dream school. Did you have other options? And well, I had other options, but I didn't get into... Um, a decent school. Okay, so you're taking a more um, scenic route to law school, which is what I'm doing, what I've done, and um, I think it is going to be very beneficial to you. I know a lot. What I'm hearing is that certain law schools want the undergraduate information, but a lot of law schools do like the fact mm -hmm. that you are able to do graduate work and you have a more rounded experience. You have real world experience, so it can help you. 
I mean, I'm a lot, I'd say, older, a lot wiser, I think, and I decided to pursue this passion. And now, after all of these years, which I never thought I was going to be able to do it, I am sitting for the LSAT. I don't know what's going to happen. I hope to do very well in December, but if I don't, I'm still going to push forward and be persistent and do different things that I need to do to get to that goal. But I have to know that I wanted it, and I'm at that point where I really want it, and I'm going to go forward. Thank you, guys. Thank you, and I think that um, it emphasizes the point that things like internships, volunteerism, very important to figure out what kinds of things you like. Very few of us know exactly what we want, and even if we get there, often it's a different thing than we expected. Um, and to the point of passion, when you show that you are very passionate, very interested, caring about something, the people who have the power to hire you get excited, enthusiastic as well. So the more passionate we can be and show that to people, it helps people help us gain those opportunities. So, you know, I work with so many students, I see that time and time again. Hi, nice to meet you. My name is Melissa Marin. Uh, I actually just graduated this past June um, here from John Jay with my uh, forensic psychology. I did my associate uh, in criminal justice. I'm coming more from a place where I did just graduate in June. I feel like my resume is one in a million. And I wanted to touch on the fact that you had said to be persistent and to, to also follow up once you send out your resume to still, you know, but with a lot of these jobs, especially online, you don't get a contact number. You don't get a contact person. You don't get a contact, you know, it, it's kind of like. It's a blind ad or are you actually, is it a blind ad so you don't know the organization or is going into a box at, a, at an organization? Which Basically, like the company or the <clears throat> organization will list, you know, post the listing for the, the job and, you know, have a link for you to click on to apply and upload your cover letter and upload your resume, but that's about it. And it's been pretty frustrating. I, I didn't, you know, no one really prepares you. I think that's something that I, I didn't know how to deal with in not finding a job right away, especially going to school full-time, working full-time for five years to get my degrees, and then when you don't immediately get anything, it's very, when you guys say don't doubt yourself, it's hard not to, very much so. So I just wanted to touch more on that as far as like being able to follow up, like what other advice could you guys give, especially with, you know, like I just applied with, um, I think it was the Department of Correction for an investigator position. I have five years paralegal experience, so I felt that, you know, being able to uh, research and that kind of thing would have benefited the job. But again, I got a rejection letter saying that, you know, the competition was very high, so. But you got a letter. There are organizations that send nothing. Right. At all. Um, because we, we have, systems are working so quickly. I can't tell you how many resumes I can get in a day. I go blind. But most rarely am I posting a blind ad. People find me. I said, making that phone call, and it's a cold call to say, um, I sent my resume and I'd really like to talk to you for a minute. You got a moment? When's the better time to, to speak to you? Emailing back, thank you for your time. I'm looking forward to it. I hired a manager a year and a half after I met her on paper because I remembered her. I remembered her skill set. 
and remember what she could do, but I had already made another offer. I didn't have two positions to offer. And I said to her, you know, I would love to be able to recontact you. I don't think she really believed me, but I'm a product of that where I am now. I went in knowing they couldn't pay me for the job. And I said, I'll work for that, prorate that salary to three days a week, I'll come. And I could still have my consultant role that I was doing, and they couldn't. And I was told, okay, well, we'll be in touch, which sounded like, you know, the Charlie Brown, wah, 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 to me. But six months later, I, I got a phone call, and eight years later, I'm there, still there. And I've had three separate jobs, and all of them have been brand new positions. So, you know, you have to ferret out kind of your top five or ten that you want to bulldog. Mm -hmm. You know, when what really is true, what happens sometimes, because you're clicking and pasting so quickly, I've actually, actually answered people who said, I don't think you were really applying to me, because that, I don't have that job. <laughs> and they, and I've emailed them with a the phone number, and I've gotten calls with giant apologies. I appreciate that, because everyone is working so hard to find a job mm -hmm. that is moving so quickly. Pick your, your top five. Ten is a stretch. Pick five that you want to go after on a weekly basis, maybe, to be in contact, whether it's a phone call or an email or an offer of some sort. Cool. Read the annual report of an organization. It's very important to see, well, what would you do differently? How would you fund something like that? What would you do with homeless youth? People don't think about teenagers in shelters. It's very hard. Developmentally, they're supposed to be moving away from the family, but the system says you have to stay close. How do you do that? How do you fund a project like that where teens are pretty transient in the system? How do you do that? I grew up in New York City. There were community centers everywhere. Half the stuff was free. It's not that easy anymore. So pick a group of them that you really want to stay in touch with. I would recommend it. The environment is very different these days. I understand totally what you're saying because I remember the day when you could post your resume on an online site and within a half an hour, within a day, you're at least hearing from recruiters and now you're not even hearing from the recruiters. Mm -hmm. So as I'm talking to my other colleagues, they're becoming more assertive and they're doing stuff that I would have never done. I would have never cold called, called someone because I thought that was an invasion of their space yeah. and their I mean, That's privacy. how I feel, I feel no. so. And but, you know, like I'm bothering but you. I'm bothering you. I'm really sorry. This is something I'm be, I'm forcing myself on mm -hmm. you, and it made I thought it appeared desperate. Yeah. But in these days and times, you have to have more, more. You have to be more aggressive about it. You have to have that persistence, that dogged persistence, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the focus. Because I was at one point, you start to get more. Well, I just have to apply for everything, mm -hmm. and you don't have that focus. And I understand how that is because I can be all over the place. Mm -hmm. So when you focus and you're persistent and you're stepping outside of your comfort zone, because I know that's hard to call strangers and you think that you're being um, a pest, mm -hmm. not persistent, but it is a different environment now. So things that were shunned maybe four years ago are a little more, people understand now. They like the aggressiveness. But I would caution against doing certain things that I think are just unprofessional. I've had, I've heard of stories, I heard a story yesterday from a gentleman in the advertising agency. People are sending shoes to get a foot in the door to oh. do different things and you still want to <laughs> oh, remain wow. professional, 
but we can understand their persistence. Oh, you can laugh. Go ahead. It, it, it's, it's true. <laughs> People sending lots of different things to do. Thank you. Yeah. And I think I'm going off of that. I think it's that's where the networking comes in. If you go out to an event and you see that organization that you really want to work for there, you know, that might not be the hiring manager, but that's kind of you're in. There's a person you can contact and you know, just mention, "Hey, I did send in my resume. Would you know who the person is that I have to contact?" Or you know, a lot of people, especially when you're in that professional environment already, when we go out to the career events here when um, we had one I think in the spring, great time to reach out to those people and find out more about the organization, see what you can offer them. And also too, that's where I say, kind of humble yourself. And I had to do it myself. I didn't want, um, of course, Marianne understands the AmeriCorps program does not pay well at all. You know, um, unfortunately it is a struggle, but sometimes you have to belittle, I don't want to say belittle yourself, but humble yourself, you know, and do jobs like I never thought, I was going to volunteer my Christmases away, but you know, I have the time to do it. So yeah, I could be doing plenty of other things on Christmas, but by humbling myself and actually going out there and doing those things, you stand out to that organization too. So now when they're thinking about hiring me for other positions, I, you know, I stand out because I'm always there. I'm always willing. I'm always able, you know, so your persistence in everything starts to show. And even though it's something as little as volunteer, I don't get paid for it. In addition to my AmeriCorps, I still volunteer there. And I still show them that even though, you know, I don't get paid for this, I'm still going to be there. I, I, for instance, yesterday I drove our CEO around. I mean, I don't want to drive our CEO around. Nobody does. But by doing that, I got FaceTime with the CEO of the American Red Cross. And in addition, we have a CEO at the New York chapter and national. She was our national CEO. I was in the car with both of them. And they were both telling me, well, you should apply to this. You should do this, you know. And, all of a sudden she was giving me love advice like you know that's the last thing I need but at the same time you know it gave me that FaceTime with her that I wouldn't have gotten if I said you know no I don't want to drive her around you know sometimes you just have to humble yourself thank you so much thank you um, we actually have one of our faculty members here who teaches uh, our online class who we're able to tune in thanks to everyone being very uh, you know, open to having a webcast and everything, and the whole session is recorded, so they'll be able to hear it afterwards. Um, so just a few words. Thank you. Well, I just want to thank the panelists, because I've been watching this most of the time from my office across the street in the next building. Uh, and I'm also absolutely impressed, because Kendra has been my student uh, and a super-duper student uh, six years ago. And I hear her talking about that you do things to stand out. And if anybody wants good advice, you go to Kendra, because she stood out in everything she ever did. Uh, but really, I just want to thank the panelists. And um, I, I don't know how many students watched you remotely, but we're trying to reach out, again, doing innovative things and, and things that we hope people notice. So thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Professor. So I wanted to do a, a big round of applause for our panelists and our great audience questions as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. I know everyone's very busy, and, and to all of our audience members as well. Please do have some refreshments, um, courtesy of the MPA department. So please do enjoy and continue to talk and have these great conversations. Thank you so much. I think we all learned a great deal this evening. Thank, Thank you. you.